2: This is the Wesson Walker Show.
3: Even the crowd knows what's coming next.
2: It's Wesson Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We appreciate you, as always, for joining us the next three hours. You can share your thoughts and comments as always. 704-570-9610. That's the text line. Again, 704-570-9610. And Paul immediately writes in, have y'all seen the news about the PGA and Live Golf merger? Exclamation point, question mark. Well, yes, Paul, we
3: have. Cash rules everything around me.
2: Method Man is running the live tour right now, or PGA, I should say. That's what they're rolling with, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it here in just a second. And this is the kind of way I want to discuss it, because I was, I think it broke while I was driving into the studio today. So really, just within about an hour or so, when did this come about, Fiddy? I know you saw it immediately when it was broken, like 10.30 maybe 11-ish like eh. 1045 something like that it was like
4: 10 15 10, 20 when the okay. I got the uh the breaking news thing on ESPN I just waited till like 1042 gotcha to, to text you about it I was too busy
2: messing up a lockdown Hornets podcast recording today so as soon as I was doing that and figuring out technical difficulties then I found out about the merger and so I'm still trying to gather a lot of information just to see what we can expect so let's just do that together this is a open market marketplace of ideas type of getting off of the bus. So, Fitty, Mr. Bus Driver, if you don't mind pulling up to the scene and opening up the doors, let's go ahead and get off the bus.
3: We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say.
2: Set at 10:15, we see Mark Schlabach of ESPN write the PGA Tour, DP World Tour, and the Live Golf League. They've been embroiled in a bitter legal battle for more than a year, but now they've agreed to unify and move forward in a larger commercial business. The circuits announced on Tuesday the tours called the stunning development quote a landmark agreement on a global basis. Now we've seen Commissioner. Jay Monahan of the PGA Tour before discuss how they don't want anything to do with the Liv Tour. As you heard in that opening segment written or a, a sentence I should say written by Mark Schleyback say that they have been in the middle of this big time legal battle where the Liv Tour was backed by Saudi money which have been in problems with violating human rights for quite some time with some of the funding that they're getting from the Saudis. And now you're discussing PGA Tour, getting in bed with the Live Tour, and the players had no clue that this was happening, at least a lot of them. I don't know about Roy McIlroy. I don't know. We haven't heard any statement from him as far as I'm concerned. But when you look at some of the player outrage, this is coming in from Rick Gaiman of Twitter. He says, initial feedback is that the tour players are not happy. They turned down cash, changed their own schedule, stuck their necks out against Liv for two years, and now they're finding out about Emerge in real time on Twitter. And so when you talk about nine figures being turned down by some of these guys that have shown loyalty to the PGA Tour, they missed out on a lot of money for some kind of morality that they were preaching, and some of it be true, some of it just be maybe showing loyalty to the PGA Tour with different rules and regulations in place. Now it's like, wait, are we going to get compensated? Why weren't we in the know in any of this? Is there any thoughts? Like, I know we're still trying to gather some of our opinions and info on this, but what do you make of it so far? I know you kind of asked it at the end of Charlotte Sports.
3: Yeah, that's the main thing is just the players not knowing, and so... They're going to be definitely thinking about how it's going to affect their pockets and what's going to change as far as pay structure or different things like that so there's a lot to be determined and normally when we see leagues make giant moves like this this is a player and i guess the the higher ups the owners or whatever you want to call it the powers that be all coming together maybe not in unison but at least you'll be informed whether the rules go in your favor or whether the new structure goes in your favor or not. So I'm sure a lot of the players are a little bit frustrated. We know a lot of players had a lot to say Mm -hmm. about the guys who did go to live now. So they're going to have to, uh, I guess, they can still keep their same beliefs. But at the end of the day, I don't know why you would trust when people have that much money involved that people are going to always make the the, the honest or the fair decision.
2: People have run with the old adage, money talks. Yep. And it talks in a big way here with the PGA Talkin Tour. Loud. Straight cash, homie. The problem is the PGA Tour, with some of the players, which by the way, a lot of them did not know, but the PGA Tour decided to merge with Liv. And the PGA had been hiding under this camouflage in morality, saying we don't want to get in bed with Live. But now we know that it was just because it was sheer competition, and they were grasping for any type of advantage that they could hurl and use as evidence against Live Tour. Mm-hmm. As we see that there is more money to be gained, it's it's just the the 180 degree turn. It's why everything is so stunning because you are seeing two very different tours at least with the rhetoric that they would spew against one another really more so with the pga against the live and now here they are with no warning with not any kind of sign that this was going to happen maybe if you look in hindsight Fiddy, i know you were talking about roy mcelroy being a little bit more silent in recent tournaments i kind of viewed that as him just getting tired of it I think that's what most people saw about it in real time, was that Roy was just tired of talking out against Liv Tour with the PGA Championship. It did seem like, I'm not saying that the camera... People knew or production companies knew. I don't know if I'm ready to go that far. I'm just saying you did see, I think, a little bit more, I don't want to say welcoming, but you saw more airtime for some of the live guys. I also kind of chalked that up at the time to Brooks kefka just being atop the leaderboard for so often. Like, how are you not going to show him and the way you didn't really show Phil Mickelson the tournament previously? So, i yeah, some of this maybe you could go back and make sense of this. But it's just the camouflage they use. With oh, we've got all of these mortals, and now it's like, nah, man, we just didn't want the competition, and now we can all work together and get this dough.
4: Yeah, the thing with Rory, like when when he got silent, I think everybody thought he was just going to leave the PGA to go to go join the Live Tour, something that he was the most outspoken PGA guy about.
2: You were saying this was more of a talking point than maybe I gave it credit for. Right.
4: Like, like, like that's what I thought whenever he got really quiet about it. I, I think he knew all along this was happening with his stand, with, you know, w- w- where he was in the PGA and stuff like that. And so, you know, it's, it, it's definitely going to be interesting because there was a divide and now there's going to be a divide within golf fans. Like this could be something that maybe generates more interest in golf. Or maybe for golf purists this could be what they, they they wave the white flag and say, We're done.
2: The problem is what do you do? If you are a huge golf fan and hold your pinky out and decide that you are holier than thou, which I don't want to make it seem like that because there were legitimate reasons to not want to back Liv Tour. Like, they still are there. And some of these players, a lot of them, I don't know what kind of percentage, but it seems like a lot of them did not know that these decisions were being made over their head. And so you're getting texts from caddies. You're getting texts from sources. You're getting reports from insiders saying they didn't know and they're extremely mad about it. The problem is, what do you do? If you have three tours merging together with the biggest, of course, being Liv and PGA, where else are you going to go? And so now everything is corrupt if you are talking about having this this, okay, we're going to subscribe to the whole PGA thing because of ethics, because we don't want to back Liv. Now everything is backed by the Saudi money that you didn't want. So is it still going to be called the PGA?
3: Or... Uh, I mean, I I don't know. Or are I they going to change the name and come up with some whole new type of thing now?
2: Yeah, I have no clue. I don't know. Look, man, I, I don't know what the tour is going to be called. I know some people are just kind of throwing their hands up and saying, I'm glad that all the best golfers are in the same field now. Yeah. That's another way to look at it. And perhaps that is. Like, it's just, it goes to show that there's really not any league out there that is so squeaky clean that they are that everything is going to be quote unquote just in every facet you look at within any professional league out there yeah. when we talked about the NBA We can talk about how the NBA was close to it, however close you want to judge, but then you had the NBA Beyond Borders program when you saw some of the things going on when the NBA was in China. That was a real problem, and so it wasn't squeaky clean. They decided to not talk about it as much, for sure. You know about the NFL and all the problems they've had with not coming down hard enough against domestic violence, you know, Deshaun Watson finding himself back in the NFL. There are so many different things there where Roger Goodell has not been viewed as the best commissioner in sports. Sports by a lot of people. And so this is just what is so weird. This is the cognitive dissonance that you have when viewing sports in any regard now. If you felt like anything was morally just watching the PGA, now it is blatantly not, as these two merge together. And that's just how all sports are. It's tough. It is tough to watch some of this, but this is a little more egregious as far as the way they had been talking so against it. That's the problem here.
4: All right, Wes said, What are they gonna call the tour? Why do they call it the PIV Tour? Because they're pivoting to a new era of
2: golf. I like okay. it. I like I it. Like it.
3: All right, I PIV. do like it.
2: Um, we saw Casey Steve. He wrote in, how about the PCS for the professional clown show? I <laughs> hope he's not talking about ours. I hope he's talking about the PGA Tour. Yeah, and- Clown
1: show. <laughs> that's what we'll go with.
2: <laughs> I hope that that's the thing. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see exactly what they call it. Colin Morikawa, um, one of the up-and-comers, having already won, I believe, two majors. Certainly one. He said, I love finding morning news out on Twitter, and everyone thought yesterday was the longest day in golf, referencing what they were. uh, I guess this would have been the day before. uh, Was it Monday or Sunday? I don't know. That's what Colin Morikawa was tweeting out there on social media.
4: I just don't know. Like, how do you let this type of information? And I know Twitter is the news source for everybody now. But, like, for a guy like him that's a guy who's, who's won two majors and stuff like that, how is that how you're finding out? How do you show that little respect to guys that make up your tour? Well, and, and two, you brought up a point real quickly before... They're the, going to play for the check regardless. It doesn't
2: matter what you do. Well, And now there's no other option. Yeah. Now there's no other option. So when you discussed uh, the rules, right, with how how they're going to move forward with what kind of rules are in place. I can remember John Rahm, who is also a pretty big voice against Liv. And John Rahm talked about how he just doesn't think the style of golf they play is real golf. That it's you not. Wanna, yeah, you want to have four rounds. You want to have a cut. You would, And I know that the PGA Tour had kind of talked a little bit about – getting rid of the cut altogether and so as soon as you qualify for a tournament you just come out with some kind of profit if you don't make the cut then you don't get it i thought that bred some real competition it provided drama at the end of your friday event and then moving into the latter half of whatever major tournament you had but is that something that's going to be provided for these players now and rom along with other golfers didn't view that as quote unquote real golf i agreed i kind of like those tournament rules outside of what the live was providing and so now we don't know what's gonna be incorporated, what's not. Are you picking and choosing the best elements with Liv having so much power with all of this as well? Who's gonna win out? Yeah, I, I don't know. This this has been an open marketplace of ideas type of segment because I have no clue what's gonna take place <laughs> going forward with this thing.
3: Yeah, I'm sure that they're gonna obviously put out a lot of the details in the coming days, but like I said, just not informing the players, but again it mm-hmm. just shows that they know that the players, where you going to go? There's no other professional league, so uh, we don't have to tell you anything. Just take your check and keep it pushed. Big Germ wrote
4: in, let's call it the Give Tour because they're giving out so much money. Yeah, we
2: could do the Give. Yeah. Look yeah. what I started, man. P- look at you, the, the dynamic producer coming in with some interesting abbreviations for whatever tour <laughs> you might want to come up with. By the way, just some house cleaning. 704 said Colin was referencing the U.S. Open qualifying day yesterday as the longest day in golf. So that is what Colin Morikawa was referencing on his Twitter timeline. All right, we'll switch from the golf conversation. We'll go into some Carolina Panthers convo as well. We also have this fan question for you. I'm going to try to end every segment with some kind of fan question, and we've been doing it. I just wanted to leave you with this. Wes has a question talking about the NCAA football cover for 2024. Who should be? on the cover of that video game. Who should be on the cover of NCAA football 24 and even Madden 24? Who are the athletes that you would want to come up with? 704-570-9610. We can answer those questions on the other side of the break and ask if the Panthers make another splash move before the season starts. Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Theory on this song yesterday wes and this is from rod morrow who's a writer for game theory hosts the black guy who tips podcast Uh and he was discussing how he thinks nas in his verse on ether when talking about jay-z when said eminem murdered you on your own bleep yeah that that line alone changed everybody's mind so much so to think that jay-z's verse on renegade actually wasn't wasn't good and in fact it was and so i was like yeah did Nas really just use the power of suggestion so much so that everybody bought into it and then everybody was like yeah see and then they just echoed and were a parrot to exactly that kind of criticism from Nas? what do you think about that theory
3: yeah i mean it's always been an age-old debate about this song but i've always been in the camp that i definitely think eminem had the better verse but i think that they were both really good on the song they were a level Right. Rapping, but that's I thought exactly, that Eminem definitely had the uh, wittier and some of the better bars of the track.
2: That's what I thought. I, I think the same thing. Yeah. It's just like Nas, that Ether Man. I, we've talked about yeah. that battle before. Yeah, but I will say. It really did change a lot of people's minds about who Jay-Z was. And yeah. that, and it, it was definitely effective. The do-gooders no line it.
3: is probably my favorite line. I can't, what, what is it? You the do-gooders line, when he said, uh, <gasps> remember, when, remember when Eminem said, uh, you believe in do-gooders too bad you couldn't do good in marriage? When he was talking about people coming at him, like, oh. he had a lot of memorable bars in there.
2: There you go. How are you doing? You good? Yeah, yeah man, you're, I'm you're, good. Sometimes, I, sometimes it's like... <laughs> I don't know like you come in with the energy and then it's like also we talk about some hip-hop and I'm like, okay yeah, let's get the m m hotness. Like M&M is not going to say anything subdued. So if no, you're going to talk not. about this Eminem, I need true. you to go ahead and bring the M&M I'm
3: brim low. All I see is the flow today. Okay. I'm I saying? love it.
2: I love it. Yeah. 704-570-9610. Feel yeah. free to share your hip hop thoughts on the text line. <laughs> We'd love to talk about them. 704-570-9610. Uh, James from wrote in when we were talking about what athlete we want to see on NCAA sure. 2024, mm-hmm. Madden
3: 24. James from Maiden went with your boy Riley Leonard. I know I heard that. Yeah, man, that would be dope, man. I mean, <laughs> finally somebody else giving him some credit. I guess. Well, he's a Duke fan too. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, yeah, because I, I see people starting to talk about it a lot more because I saw somebody suggesting that Demar Hamlin be on the front. RG three did, matter of fact. He oh, said that that's he right. Be on the front.
2: I also saw a great quote tweet with a quote tweet with that saying, "Haven't we done enough? Hasn't Hamlin been enough?" And, yeah. and it's like Madden is the curse that ends your season the next year. And so it's like, we don't want to do that to uh,
3: don't. <laughs> yeah, want but it. there's been a lot of people that have debunked that and had great seasons being on the Madden Cup. If I had to pick NCAA, I mean, I guess it's not much going out on the limb. I think Caleb Williams, the Heisman winner, should be sense. on the front. I was thinking about maybe as a dark horse, like a –
2: Oh man this is big time what you got for us fitty
4: it's pretty big time to interrupt west because i know he gets mad at me uh-huh. um we have breaking charlotte 49ers news oh uh ron sanchez has stepped down
2: oh big hitter do we just do we just call our friend in hunter bailey like what do we do here you know if if we've got the big yeah i news, think hunter bailey should we just, have the scoop can we just it'd be funny should we just call him on air yeah to see like <laughs>
3: you just, we should and and who we can also we can also try to get... Well, we got to ask you, are you surprised? Your eyes rolled back when you heard this news. So I'm guessing you're pretty surprised back? by this. Yeah, you look like you were, I don't know, you look like uh, you were at a Jimi Hendrix concert or something when um, you first said
2: it. Well, we have this text chain. I am going to put Mike Hill in. I, yeah. I, I would like to get Charlotte's athletic director. So let's try to go after Mike Hill. We'll try to figure out exactly why all this happened as we get further into the off season. So we are going to look sometimes it's my fault. In fact, I'd say what 75% it's my fault. when We don't please the T's. Yeah. Like I'll take that responsibility. There's a lot of text. I try to go through that, whatever this one. I'm not going to take the blame for okay. because we have Ron Sanchez stepping down Charlotte 49er basketball. We've been wanting it to reach the good old conference USA days for quite some time. I thought we hadn't gotten past a point where Ron Sanchez was going to be the coach for next season. And we had gotten past the point of any possibility he would get fired, which I guess it's being reported that he's decided to step down. Wes, if we just want to dissect the transfer portal, this has been a problem for quite some time. It's been a problem even before the portal was a thing. Mm -hmm. Charlotte would lose all of their talented players. When Bobby Lutz left the program or when he was fired, Alan Major takes over. Alan Major gets a lot of talent. Like you've got some really awesome recruits coming in, but then they leave and then they go on to power five schools, which, no, you can't blame them for. But also, can we keep like half of the good talents and players that you keep like that you recruited? I would love to do that. But no, you'd have Keyshawn Woods going somewhere, Torrin Dorn. I could go down the list. There's a million of them. Right. So now you enter this transfer portal age. Where part of the reason you hired Ron Sanchez was because he was responsible for some of the fantastic players they recruited up with Virginia in Tony Bennett. DeAndre Hunter, Ron Sanchez had a part in. You talk about Washington State days. He was a part of the recruiting guys of Aaron Baines, NBA player, Clay Thompson, going over there to Washington State, if I'm not mistaken, maybe Kyle Weaver going back a little bit further. But really talented players. This is what we all thought was going to happen here in Charlotte. Second year. They finish the COVID season, the second year for Ron Sanchez, fourth in the conference. And this was a program that was actually picked to finish like 12th, very towards the bottom. So, man, he had really had a nice trajectory. Boom, here comes COVID. And lots of – it's not an excuse because there's a lot of programs that had to deal with that. Every program had to deal with it. Sure. Charlotte just wasn't able to bounce back from it. And ever since you had the transfer portal – Transferring became an even larger part of Charlotte's basketball lore than it was even beforehand. And they kept coming out on the losing side of it, Wes. And so Ron decides to step down. It's not being reported, according to Fitty, according to sources. <laughs> it's not being reported that he is being forced to step down or being fired. But I know a lot of 49ers fans, whether it's right or wrong, a lot of 49ers fans are happy about that.
3: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because they have two transfers coming in, Deshaun Jackson and Dean Reiber. Or Reber. And so I wonder now if they will rethink their decisions as well. But bottom line, I just felt like the Charlotte program They just didn't have any juice, but then you go look at it, because like Will Healy, and he had the whole shtick with the club lit and all those things, and that didn't end up working out for them as well. But I think the main thing with Charlotte, too, they're finally starting to focus on those basketball facilities to get those up to snuff. I think that's very important uh, for them at this point, because Halton Arena, I mean, I know the last time I was there, I mean, that's that's not an arena that if I'm a touted basketball prospect. I'm going to be super excited to go and play in. So they need to get some of the trimmings that attract recruits because Charlotte has a lot to offer. It's one of the few schools you can go to that's in a major city and things of that nature. But just this program alone, the next coach, he's got to have some juice, some cachet because the thing is, him coming from Virginia, and even with some of the recruiting prowess he had there, and I and I get it with Washington State, but at Virginia, you know, such a specialized recruiting process when you're there. You're going after kind of a different kind of kid. You have to kind of get the best of both worlds out of Virginia as far as a great student mm-hmm. and a great athlete in a school like Charlotte. It is a really good academic school, but not as stringent as I would say Virginia is. So you have a little bit more leeway as to who you can bring in. So, uh, number one, it, it, it's all about recruiting. And the next coach they get has got to be able to do that. But I think they need to swing for the fences this time. It is time for Charlotte 49ers basketball to become something again. And so I think they need to swing for the fences and go for the biggest guy they can
2: get. I liked the hire at the time, by the way. Loved it. And, and I'll tell you this. I got to talk with Mike Hill right after the hiring. And it was actually, I believe, it was after Will Healy, too, if I'm not mistaken. Right? So you hire Ron Sanchez. And this is someone, or maybe it wasn't, whatever the order was, but Mike Hill was very excited about this hire. And he's like, look, this is somebody that could come in, do a great job. He's got a great recruiting track record. And if it comes to the point where other teams are wanting to come after him, other college programs, Power 5, ACC, whatever it may be. Then so be it, but we're ready for this program to get back on track. And after you had the positive trajectory, his second season, it just never really came to fruition, but I loved the hire at the time. And so now that it didn't really work out, yes, he won a CBI championship. Yes. I still plan to get the t-shirt if I haven't done it yet. It's still not the greatest accomplishment that you can boast. And now you're talking about Ali Khalifa, baby Jokic, as we dubbed him. And you rolled your eyes. You dubbed him. Maybe rightfully so. <laughs> uh, Ali Khalifa no longer with this program. I think they tried to keep Bryce Williams, who was a good player for him, but he didn't stick around. Instead, he goes elsewhere. Like part of this is Sanchez's fault and the basketball program's fault because that is your task. Keep the talent and win with it. That's just the nature of college basketball right now. Adapt or die. So part of that is the problem and the responsibility of the basketball program. But I will acknowledge it is harder with this thing being the Wild West. I do understand that. So can you get someone that now has a track record of not only recruiting talent? If they lose that talent, can they can they get somebody else to replace them? Can you replace it year after year? And can you hold on to it? So... That's the task for Charlotte basketball. Any final thoughts on, on Ron Sanchez stepping Yeah, down?
3: I mean, that's the big thing is that now, for one, you know you're going to have to spend Skrilla. There's no question about that. But you're going to have to get a coach that can adapt to flipping a roster year in and year out. And I have to say at this point now, I want it to – for Steve Forbes to actually come to fruition and pay off in some tournament wins and getting to the NCAA tournament. But he's really looking like he's doing an excellent job of being able to turn over a roster year in and year out. And especially at a school like Charlotte, you're going to have attrition. That's just the name of the game. So it's, it's going to be interesting, man, because to find the secret sauce for them right now is very difficult because like you said, when Sanchez came in, he had a lot of credentials that you loved coming from Virginia But it just did not work out. So it's going to have to just take a little bit of everything mixed up into a pot of gumbo for the 49ers to uh, get the right coach that's going to do everything they need to.
2: I I, I will tell you this. I I do believe a lot in Mike Hill. And I'm not going to be one of these guys that just because it didn't work out with Ron Sanchez, I did like the process. And sometimes the results don't pan out because it's a hard thing. Right. But I love the process he still has done a great job in pivoting in some, hard, in some hard areas where Will Healy ultimately didn't work out, but the hire did get Charlotte to its first ever bowl game. The Will Healy hire did come off of the heels of Mike Houston trying to use the offer to parlay it into a bigger job, and Mike is like, nah, man, we're not going to be used to some stepping stool before we even get you in the facilities. Nah, rescind offer. I like that kind of attitude from my athletic director and Mike Hill is an all, Hey man, we mean business type of dude. Fair enough. You got to have winning programs a little more consistently than what's been happening so far. But also what I like about Mike is that he's not going to wait crazy long. He's going to be fair. He gives Will Healy some time to try to bounce back after a bowl eligible team didn't work out Bye, Ron Sanchez after the second season. Couldn't turn it around as much as we would like. Yes, you win a tournament in the postseason, but it's not one that anybody finds Romero in. Okay, bye. Like this, he didn't fire him, but okay, Michael has to have knowledge of this before it's reported on Twitter. So I do trust him to make the right decision. I do trust the process here if we want to use an old Philadelphia adage. I do. I'm interested to see if if Charlotte basketball can get back on the map in some type of capacity.
3: And this is the... You know, this is going to be the legacy, I feel like, of his tenure there. This this is it right here for him, I feel like, because if he doesn't get Poggi right and his next basketball coach right, then I don't yeah. think it's going to work out for him overall. So I think these are the pivotal hires for him right now. We're excited about Coach Pogi. Uh We still want him to come on the show for sure. We'd love for him to do that. And then oh, we'll yeah. see what he's going to do with this basketball coach. But he knows, I'm sure he knows that this hire has to be the one man – Um,
2: Biff Pogey also felt like a no BS hire, like, all right, we're done playing games. Yeah. Like we need to get somebody in here that is just all business. Uh, I don't really care about doing the whole taking my shirt off thing in the locker room. That was great for some publicity, but now it's an all business type of hire. I wonder if that's copy and pasted for the basketball program because they've had success in other programs. By the way, we just saw baseball conclude what was an awesome run at the end of the season. They knocked out Clemson as the number one seed in the NCAA tournament. We saw softball have an extremely historic season. That year was fantastic for Charlotte softball. Track and field did a good job this year. We've seen soccer continue to be a pretty good program. And now we just need the big ones, right?
3: I think they need to go snatch a a young coach from one of these either up-and-coming programs around here or from one of the ACC uh, powers and try to see if you could go find somebody off Carolina's bench or Duke's bench or somebody to come in and be your head coach.
2: Um, let's go to the text line. Let's get to some of the questions that we had been asking as well. The NCAA game cover almost has to be Caleb Williams. Maybe even
3: Marvin Harrison Jr.? Yeah, those are the top two guys I would say as far as front runners. NFL, just trying to think, who's the MVP again? NFL? I forget uh pat mahomes yes that's right okay I've got. To, yeah i mean you can't have mahomes i think that'd be mahomes has mahomes gotten the cover already people, like yeah he had. was on the dual cover with that's brady right. yeah so so people so are
2: rolling with josh allen we've seen he's kind of the favorite if i'm not mistaken
3: I love guess a that'd, good choke artist yeah about <laughs> to say, i'm sure that'll come with a choking feature <laughs> oh no on the game
2: uh i'm gonna guess that fitty ones joe burrow do you want joe burrow on the cover of that he
3: wouldn't be a good one he oh, wouldn't be
4: joe burr and then they have the photo of him in uh, Buffalo, when he threw the ball in the snow there wearing the – I think they had their icy white tops on. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: I mean, it would be pretty dope. My vote is uh, Nick Bosa. You got No, I'm not surprised. You probably want Brock Purdy. That's who you want. <laughs> I was gonna say him. Oh, I think Justin Herbert would be dope, too. It's ja- gotta
4: be Jalen Hurts, right?
2: Yeah, that's a good one. He would be good, too. Jalen Hurts would be I fantastic. I would agree. That would be great. And um, then
4: he'd be cursed, and then they would look stupid for giving him all that money after one good year. <laughs>
2: God right. do it, uh, Now, Now I see the outside incentive that you just put upon Jalen Hurts being the cover of Madden. AC, by the way, writing in some more Charlotte stuff here, um, saying we're spot on with our comments on Mike Hill. And He said, actually, Charlotte won conference championships and everything but the two majors <laughs> i mean yeah. it's been so good elsewhere if if you figure out football and basketball the athletic program is going to be great the problem is we've just we've not had and women's basketball they made the ncaa tournament two years ago carrie conswager has been excellent throughout her entire tenure and there's charlotte. so
3: many kids around here like yeah, there's man. so many kids in this charlotte in the charlotte and surrounding areas that I feel like can be had if you just come correct. Well, and and at least we're seeing the recruiting payoff. It doesn't mean it's
2: going to pay off in the long run, but as far as the talent coming into this program, Biff Pogey is getting the talent. Yeah. Like we do have that on paper as much as we can subscribe. I, I hope it's not a North Carolina situation where they don't perform to the expectations of said talent. They're recruiting. I hope that you have the win loss record that comes along with it, but at least on paper, we do see it working out so far. Um, Ryan Odom is somebody that uh, a 28 number rode in. He just took the VCU job. Would have been cool to see him come back. Somebody that coached at Lenore Ryan was a part of the Charlotte scheme under Alan Major for a while. So yeah, but that's you're a not good mention VCU. For oh, no, Charlotte. no, no, they're not saying this. This a two number is saying that he hates Ryan Odom just took that job B- because if he would have been still out there, maybe yeah. we could have gone off, uh, gone after him. Um, And uh, final one here. Somebody said, bring back Sean May to Charlotte. And then have him coach.
3: I was but you know what, in all honesty, lives. I really was thinking about someone like that in that in that vein. A young coach from mm-hmm. one of the ACC powers that's got some cachet. I, I don't think Sean May would be a bad decision. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing today?
4: <laughs> why why would Sean May leave his position? Where he's getting paid rather well, less stress. Probably, maybe if this thing works out under Hubert, he's getting groomed to be you the. You don't next. love Sean May though, right? Oh, I think he's a terrible big man
2: coach. Right. right. This is Dre Bly territory so? for you.
3: But, uh, this is, this I, always cracks me up with Fifty One. He talks about the individual position. I want to know what you, why you think so.
4: I have watched Armando Baycott for four years. I don't know a post move that Armando Baycott has committed to memory in four years. <laughs>
3: But that's the thing. It's like, so you said it, but you don't think Sean May goes over stuff on him, though? I mean, obviously not.
2: Man, just remember, you're talking about an NCAA tournament MOP, I by the did. way. I, I get and it. You, you get mad at me despite you having bad comments uh, from Mac Brown,
3: and then you get mad at me for having bad uh, comments So you think him? he just comes in at an individual workout with Armando, just rolls out the ball and says, uh, have a good time. I'll be back in an hour.
4: I mean... I'm, I'm telling you, and I'm not the only one that has this opinion. There's another guy in the building. We are not Sean May truthers when it comes to his ability to coach.
2: I mean, I don't have any evidence either way, so I'm not going to argue this. <laughs> I choose peace. That's what I choose. <laughs> all right, let's just get to a quick Fitty Flash. What you got, Fitty?
3: It's all right be a little Fitty. In a little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share, might as well smile. Life goes on for a little Fitty. Why?
4: really have anything. So I went to a tweet or a text that was sent to the group chat and all capital letters definitely gotta hit this in a flash. You bleep. (laughs) 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 Cap City Record. Cap City Record. Some
2: professionalism.
4: But this is some, some pretty uh pretty big news. Former USFL president Brian Woods is launching a spring league for high school recruits starting in 2024. Prospects will play in 11-11 format over six weeks with plans for teams in Atlanta, LA, Miami, Miami, Tampa, and other large cities. Wes, you were pretty pumped about this. What, what do you make of this? Because this seems like another step in the right direction for developing the game of football.
3: Yeah, I mean, they're talking about that it could eventually command a TV contract and I'm also thinking too it's going to help these kids build NIL brands, but I'm also uh, in the thought process of with everything that's happening with Transfer Portal hurting a lot of kids as far as getting some of the scholarships they would have gotten. I think this will give kids a chance to showcase uh, their skills and get some of those scholarships back that uh, they've been losing out on to transfer.
2: All right, let's get to Willie P real quickly voice of Charlotte FC. He joins us on the Bodyworks Plus guest hotline coming up next, Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
3: allow me to
2: reintroduce myself my name is i'm will pelagic Welcome back to Wes and Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We were a little long last segment with the breaking news of Ron Sanchez stepping down. And now John Fanta reports that Virginia announces Sanchez is going to be the program's new associate head coach. So Ron Sanchez, after being an assistant on Virginia's basketball staff, taking over as the head coach for Charlotte, will go back to Charlottesville as the associate head coach. Because we talked a lot about that, let's now dive right on into some Charlotte fc conversation with who other than the voice of charlotte fc willie p you can hear him broadcasting all of the games right here sports radio 927 wfnc and you can follow him on twitter at willie p style willie how are you doing man
1: i'm good guys how are you we're doing well
2: willie we appreciate you hopping on as always and just diving right on into it we know that the crown fell on saturday four to two How much did playing those three matches in seven days play a role in this match with them being a little fatigued?
1: Not just three in seven days, Walker, but nine in the last 28 days. and To give you at least a little bit of uh, context, over the next 28 days, they're only going to play five. So, In in that aspect, it's a scenario for Charlotte FC that they had a very big match slog as a result of uh, not only the U.S. Open Cup, but... The fact of the matter is, is that MLS has really tried to condense this schedule in the early part of the season because they're going to take a whole month off in the month of July and into August because of the Leagues Cup tournament between MLS and Liga MX of Mexico. So they're having to try to figure out a way to make sure that this season doesn't take an entire uh, an entire year to complete. In fact, I was doing a little research. MLS has the shortest off-season of any of the top five professional sports in America, just 75 days that don't involve a game or preparing for a game involving a, an MLS off-season. So from that aspect, they're trying to at least limit that as much as possible and get all these teams in as possible. And unfortunately, it's led to this scenario with Charlotte not only having to play a lot of games in a short amount of time, but having to do so without some of the big principal players including not having two of its top defenders available to them at the start of the match on Saturday, but also still playing without Enzo Capetti and Camille Yozviak And it led to an unfortunate road trip where they lost three or four in all comps. But I do feel like where they sit right now is still a pretty good scenario, sitting in ninth position halfway through the season as they've just played their 17th match out of 34 this season so well, far.
2: Well, and Willie, I think you bring up an interesting point with the short offseason that they have it's the first off season they have in between regular years. How much do you think with that being the case, with this being such a new franchise, this being the first time they had to deal with such a tight off season, how much are we seeing some of the effects of that right now?
1: I think you're seeing a lot of it. And I also think, too, you had to integrate some new pieces as well. And I think that's the the issue when you have the unfortunate passing of Anton Walks. Uh, if you hear my broadcast part, Jessica Charman harp on anything, she harps on the fact that Really, the the back line is the spine of a football club, and when a prominent part of that spine is no longer available to you, uh, Charlotte FC has had to do everything they possibly can to at least remedy that. Uh, they had two spots actually having to be replaced with Guzman Carujo at the start of the season, still not available because of an ACL tear reconstruction and. As a result, he's been integrated back into the squad very slowly. He's still not 100% fit uh, to be able to play 90 minutes and play them as effectively as he would have, say, uh, at this time a year ago. So I think from that aspect, they're still trying to find the right mix. Unfortunately, Adilson Melanta has had some unfortunate issues. Uh, the red card against Birmingham, uh, the giveaway against St. Louis and a couple of other matches, games, where he's had uh, some unfortunate mistakes as being a 21-year-old defender. But I think you saw with him out of the lineup on Saturday that, He's probably Charlotte FC's best defender when everybody's healthy other than Carujo, and it's not even close. And it's fortunate that it had to be exposed in that manner. But I still think that when they can get themselves up to the full strength, this is a team that's going to contend for a postseason berth. And I think they could even go pretty far because there have been times where they've played against some of the best teams in the NLS and showed out pretty well. I think the Nashville match is one where you look at it, even though they lost that contest, it took a very unfortunate free kick late, or a penalty kick late, I should say. And as a result, you are going to see uh, some more of these matches come really, really close to the uh, end of the season. And I think Charlotte FC is right where they need to be in terms of trying to be part of of an MLS table that's still very much condensed at this point.
3: Willie P., you talked about the attrition and and all the games in a short time span, and they've lost four or five. So what do you feel like is their key issue as far as on-field play that they could fix that could maybe remedy some of that and get back on a winning track?
1: Well, I think a lot of it comes down to how they defend West. I think the... The unfortunate part about when you're fatigued is that you don't step to balls on defense as quickly. And as a result, you, you saw Columbus get a lot of room on Saturday and a lot of room that they uh, just didn't have the ability to defend against. And I think as a result, it really put out of sea in a scenario where uh, you put yourself down three nil earlier in a contest, very, very hard to come back from that. They showed a lot of resolve to make it back to three, two, but unfortunately, with the end-to-end nature of that matchup, that's just not a match that Charlotte FC is going to win very much effectively because they're not a team that's built to play end-to-end soccer the way Columbus wanted to play on Saturday. And as a result, sometimes style makes the fight. As a result, uh, that's where you saw Columbus really uh, thrive in that instance. I also think, too, from an attacking standpoint, uh, when they don't have Enzo to to go to, it really does limit what they can do offensively. And even a guy like Camille Jozeviak, who has the ability to do more than just cross it inward. He has the ability to cut in and be technical on the ball. They really don't have another winger who can do that other than maybe Kerwin Vargas. And when Caram's the only one out there to be able to do that, it really limits what you can do offensively. So I think getting those pieces back, if it has, if that does happen this week, it should be great. But if uh, once they get those pieces back, then Charlotte can vary their attack because, unfortunately, guys, they looked all too predictable uh, trying to basically play out on the wing and cross it in and hit and in hope. And as a result that leads to uh, some low percentage scoring opportunities as opposed to the higher ones we saw at uh, maybe the earlier part of the season.
3: Willie P all-star voting is open. Do you anticipate the crown having an all-star and if so, how many?
1: I don't know if we'll get to that. Unfortunately, you know, some of the bigger clubs kind of dominate the voting in terms of that. And I got my ballot in here, uh, uh, about a week and a half ago, so I'm, I'm kind of going through and looking and seeing, okay, you know, where exactly uh, can maybe if see find a, a guy in there? I think if there is somebody uh, who I probably would have favored in the All-Star voting, it would have been Camille Josiak. With the way that he played earlier on in this season, the unfortunate part with him is this latest injury spell that he took against Atlanta might limit his uh, his voting uh, footprint nationally because he just hasn't been in the spotlight because of being out since uh, the 13th of May. The fact that he misses a month of the season might limit him. So I'd have to see you know, in terms of whether or not he might deserve a vote here in the next week or so. If he gets back before the end of the international break and shows out, well, maybe he ends up getting himself a vote. But that'd be the one that'd be on my card. I think obviously if if there's another part, maybe Carol Saveras gets a little bit of a vote as well. I know Justin Merrim has had some goal contributions as well but uh, I don't know if they're going to get one in at this opportunity. Maybe they will, they'll, they'll see one maybe as part of an injury replacement because, as you know, guys, it's not a scenario where Charlotte FC is uh, having an opportunity to vote just on an Eastern Conference side. It's a condensed pool where they're voting just to one team because that team will play a, uh, a, a squad of Liga and Neckes All-Stars in terms of having a only one squad to vote for as opposed to
2: two. Mm. Well, and I know we've talked about the short off season and the crown falling on Saturday. I did want to get to some more important stuff. I know you disclosed yesterday when you were filling in for bone that you put on sunscreen while in the nude, uh, Willie, what's the difference between putting clothes on as opposed to being naked? Why are you doing this while being, uh, in your birthday suit?
1: I just feel that it's the best way to get coverage for, for your sunscreen. I'm just, I'm saying it's, I understand from, from the standpoint of where bone was, that part of this, this discussion was because bone was going off of the way that his clothes fell while they were on his body. I think, honestly, you, you have to account for that. Uh, when you sit down, sometimes the shorts will hike up a little bit as a oh, result, no. uh, you might not get the, uh, the full coverage of your sunscreen. You know, I just, I, I don't go like quote unquote all over, but like I, uh, I make <laughs> sure that my body's covered when it comes to sunscreen and, uh, I never burn. I never burn at all. So uh, honestly, from that standpoint, uh, maybe Bone shouldn't be so uh, so critical about my uh, sunscreen application.
2: No, I agree. I think that's fantastic advice. And the last thing I'll ask you is, I just want you to know, Jessica joined us in studio. And after that, Charlotte won, I believe, at least three, maybe four contests in a row after that appearance. We've not seen you in studio in quite some time we know you were willing to give your biscuits to Brant Bronico. If he pulled a Christian Polisic. are you willing to come in studio at some point soon? So Charlie can get back on track.
1: I'll do anything I possibly can for the crown guys. It's nothing personal. Honestly, it's more about, <laughs> you know, it's, it, I need to have another activity while I'm up there, like going up there just to see y'all. It's like, you know, that, that, that that's, that's mileage on wow. my car.
3: Wow! <laughs> Damn!
1: I need to have another, I, if you, if, if, if if our and boss Jeff Ricker could find something else for me to do in that building like maybe I'll clean the toilets to do something else you know and, and, and put something else on the payroll but uh, just just to come up and talk to you guys I, I need something else. To okay. To, to, to find my time. That's fine. If you could find something else for me to do, I'd be I'd be happy to do so. No, that's
2: fine. You can leave your naked tan body at home. We don't want to see it anyway. That's Willie P., the voice of Charlotte FC, not a friend of the show anymore. I don't know how many times we're going to have him on if it's just going to be like that, but Willie, not, you know, not good luck, but good riddance, man. Goodness gracious.
1: Love you too, guys.
2: It's Willie P. It's Willie nude is what he is. All right, All right. we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back, try to gather our thoughts on the ending of that conversation. Thought we were friends, but I guess not. Wes and Walker, more to come next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.